What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. I am the Martian, joined by my co-host, as always, Ozzy. And this week, we're going to be talking about the Tiago Santos versus Jamal Hill card going down this Saturday from the UFC Apex. It's a 12-fight card. It's a pre-week card, but we're still going to try to give you guys some some good analysis and, and betting information, as always. Ozzy, how are we doing this week, my man? Uh, feeling better than last week, health-wise. Not as stuffy. Not coming off as hot of a week. Um, but that's the variance that's, you know, the ebbs and the flows, unfortunately, not the best card this week, next week's a little week as well, but it's vacation season, not going to watch this fight, li- fight card live, honestly, just, you know, going to enjoy the uh, Saturday, but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. You know, I'm liking that, uh, co-main event and, uh, and yeah, here we are to, uh, to record this, you know, coming, coming to you guys weekly. So, uh, let's see what we could do. Yeah, we're going to probably keep some of these breakdowns short and sweet. Uh, really, only one really good fight on the car, Neil versus Luke. That's a great matchup. Hill versus Santos is, is a pretty weak main event. Um, and uh, before we get into this week, though, quick recap of last week. Uh, solid week for me. 2.04 units profit. Uh, th- three weeks in a row of profit after, you know, having a... I think I lost like maybe five or six UFCs in a row up until this. And then uh, nice to turn it around, get some winners there. Uh, some some CLV paid off big time. It was funny. I had three big CLV bets on my money lines. I, the one I felt good about, Maze, is the one I lost. And then the one I felt less confident about, Pavlovich and uh, Nerogamanu, won uh, in pretty easy fashion. So it just goes to show that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, Ozzy, what about you? Yeah, just under six and a half down. You know, unfortunately, I didn't um, plug in uh, a few of my uh, some of the prop, you know, prop sides that I like, like the uh, Morono decision or the goes the distance in that fight. But, um, you know, I had a dollar CLV on, you know, the maze fight, maybe played that a little bit too big in, in, in the uh, hindsight of not playing it back officially. Um, with some uh, some handy when that line got out of hand, and uh, and yeah, I mean, I think the only bad bet is probably the uh, the Ehor fight. I mean, I try to wait, you know, get that plus money on it, you know, just fade in, you know, Nick a bit, and it was just you know three quarters of a unit was not a big bet, and it was at plus one twenty. Obviously, um, you know, Kim, you know, I had her on the money line and by decision there. Lost the split decision there, a close fight. You know, she just, I mean, she it was just a, a G Yoon Kim fight. You know, I'd play Garcia again. I'd probably play Garcia big again, like in the same fashion again, you know, plus 190, little CLV there. Um, you know, it was a close fight overall. He could have definitely won that fight, but, um, you know, w- wasn't able to uh, make it happen at the end. And then Alex Perez and Derek Lewis, you know, the fights didn't play out, you know, that well and that much. So not too much to glean from those two. And then the two winners, uh, you know, the, the Dober fight and the, uh, Alex Morona fight, both, uh, nice winners. And then that over a two and a half, I was going to make that my best bet in that Amanda Nunes fight. Didn't make it, but ended up being, uh, being on the betting card and, you know, winner there. So, you know, put that one in the rear view, you know, mirror overall. I mean, like I said, dollar CLV, you know, I, I don't really mind it too much overall. And, you know, some bets along the way, I think were, uh, came, I, I wasn't too big of a losing night is all I have to say. And, uh, and yeah, you know, we, we move on to, uh, to where we are, uh, in this fight card this week. Yeah. Um, my three props last week, guys, yeah, I got lucky on all three, uh, the over in the main event that we had, what, four knockdowns, the Semmelsberger right. GTD Semmelsberger eyes busted to bits. And then the Kasi decision only, uh, it's one, one going in around two. I got my biggest bet of the card on fucking Kasi decision only. And he, he pulls it off and we win, but 
Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see that fight. I don't know. I have no idea what happened. In yeah, that you fight didn't miss much. But um, all right. So we're starting this card, fellas. If we uh, if we keep you guys around for more than an hour after this card, just turn us off at that point because this card should not take us an hour. So we're starting things now. Uh, in the bantamweight division, Bueno Silva taking on Edgar. Uh, Big line moving here. Edgar minus 140. Silva plus 120. Uh, I got in on Edgar early at plus 124, I believe, on FanDuel. Um, you know, I'm thinking that Edgar is probably going to be the better grappler here. She she knows how to get the fight to the floor, how to fight optimally. And Bueno Silva has been taken down in all six of her UFC fights, got controlled for long stretches by Miraz, De La Rosa, even Firo kept her down for a little while. So I was feeling good about Edgar plus money there. Now the line completely flipped. And I really don't don't knock anybody for taking Bueno Silva at plus 120 now uh, because uh, she's the better striker, no doubt about it. She's a pretty mean uh damaging striker but it's just her defensive grappling that lets her down so pretty striker versus grappler matchup i'm going with edgar at the plus money but you know either plus 120 on either woman here is good i uh, just don't lay juice on this fight yeah I, i'm i'm gonna end up on the other side i'm gonna end up taking bueno silva here on the money line you know i, I i've liked edgar in the past i think in her last fight specifically you know, I liked her against um, Jessica Rose Clark. And I can see why people jump on her early. Obviously, in women's MMA, you know, when you have a girl that's reliable to grapple, grapple, and you have another girl who, you know, can be stuck on her back, can, you know, look for those guard submissions. I could totally see the play and the angle of it. But I just feel overall, like, I want to be on the side of the girl who is throwing some of these more damaging strikes out there um, and, and, and is just a little bit more aggressive in terms of dealing out damage. Um, I'm not too sure if uh, Stephanie Edgar is going to be making it past the guard of Bueno Silva. So I could see this fight, um, you know, there, there being some stand-ups in this fight. And as well, the judo, you know, the judo is uh, great, as, uh, especially when you're, uh, you know, when you're uh, not tired and earlier in the fight. But as the fight plays out, you know, in the same fashion that it is hard to get these double leg takedowns and these single legs, it's not always easy to curtail someone and, you know, get them against the fence and, you know, get to good positions with the judo. Because remember, a lot of times you are going for these judo throws, you can end up in a bad position overall, or you can uh, put yourself in a position where you can get put on the bottom. And you did see that a few times. Uh, Tracy Cortez was able to capitalize and kind of use, you know, the the attempts that Edgar was putting out there against her and get to top positions. Obviously, Bunosa was not as good of a top top position grappler or grappler uh overall but she is dangerous she she throws shots from bottom she's very active um so i'm curious to see the pace the fight gets played at and who uh, who's able to dictate it but I, i'm gonna lean on the bueno silver side take take some plus money to start off the night and i uh, hope that uh we come out ahead with a you know decision to win on her end or, or maybe even a finish because uh she does crack she does hit hard she is in the states now full time um and i think Edgar is due to to, to get hit and you know, she's definitely fighting a girl, a much different fighter than she has in the past. So I'll take up Bueno Silva money line. Yeah, Bueno Silva uh, keeps coming strong throughout the fight, too. She's got good cardio. Um, we got Strawweight Division next. Uh, Corey McKenna, Miranda Granger. McKenna's the favorite here, minus 200. Granger plus 170. A little buyback on Miranda Granger these past few days. Uh, any interest in the dog here, Ozzy? A little bit. I do have a little bit of interest on Miranda Granger just because the, the, the size difference here tells me that, you know, potentially these takedowns later on in the fight could come a little bit more difficult for uh, McKenna. 
But the issue that I have uh, alongside that is that um, even though McKenna has that reach disadvantage, she still is a, a good deal quicker, I think, overall coming in and out than Granger is. Albeit, you know, Granger or uh, Granger definitely has a stand-up advantage. Um, and I've noticed with these women when they after they give birth, I don't know what it is, but like they get smaller. Like Mackenzie Dern has issues, right? Getting down to 125 or 115, I should say, before giving birth. After giving birth, the woman, I don't know, maybe the baby takes all your baby weight away, right? Your baby fat. I don't know what it is, dude. Maybe maybe I need to look into that more. Um, but maybe Miranda Granger does not have as much difficulty making 115 as I think she uh, had in the past. Um, I think it's a decent dog shot. I mean, Corey McKenna, she's just not that effective with the strikes, you know, with, with, with strikes that and, – and that's what's going to win the fight at the end of the day. You know, she could be on top all she wants, but she has not shown the propensity for me to pass guard – or or finish you know with submissions or anything else um if you're not giving those positions up to her so yeah i think that uh it's very easy for granger to put together a game plan for herself to uh to come out ahead here we might be behind schedule ozzy already you're you're getting a little long-winded on some of these fights that was quick that was quick <laughs> i mean I, I was interested in maybe taking a stab on granger just because mckenna is so bad but then i rewatched that ashley yoder fight and i said no fucking way i'm doing that uh, but i'm getting like a girl versus woman vibes on this you know mckenna's a a, a small little frail girl uh miranda granger you know a grown woman now um got those tattoos I don't even. I, I'm. I'm not sure even if uh, McKenna gets her period. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, um. Mom. Mom strength is real, dude. Mom yeah. Like she might real. be like a like a 16 year old fighting under some alias or something like that. But I mean, yeah. McKenna, I think will probably grapple her way to a win. But man, this fight is is garbage, man. Um. But we're moving on to the next fight. Uh, Josh Quinlan versus Jason Witt in the welterweight division. Quinlan minus 265, Witt plus 225. I mean, Witt's a tough guy to bet on because he always has a path to victory with the grappling, but he always has that weakness with, with his chin, and his defense is just terrible too. Just really slow reaction times, just not a natural striker, and uh, he really can't take a punch. So you got to be really careful betting a guy like that. Also, once he gets on top, I really don't see him – uh, submitting Quinlan here. I mean, he might get Quinlan down to the to the ground with a takedown or two, but I think Quinlan's going to stay safe enough and avoid getting submitted. And Witt seems mostly like a decision type of fighter to me. And, you know, Quinlan doesn't seem like a great prospect, but he doesn't seem glaringly bad anywhere either. Um, he seems like he has a decent idea how to defend takedowns. And he's kind of like a low-volume striker. Don't let that uh, contender series knockout fool you where he just knocked the guy out in 45 seconds. A lot of his fights, he fa fights pretty patient. He fights behind a jab. So I think the Quinlan uh, knockout line is kind of bait here. And if there's a play to be made, it's on the Quinlan decision at plus 450. I can see Quinlan just kind of jabbing his way to a victory or a fight where Witt takes him down for a few minutes. Quinlan pops back up to the feet, lands a few strikes, you know, Witt clinches up and then, you know, Quinlan uh, steals the rounds on damage. So um, tough fight to bet because of the Witt's chin. Uh, any opinions for you here? There's no way that I'll be betting on this fight, but I do think that Quinlan's transitional grappling and overall grappling are going to be good enough to get to make Wit fight with him on the feet. If Wit can back him up and get respect and avoid that right hand, you know, I do think he's potentially alive. 
but I do not think he will get easy takedowns early. Obviously, the guy is really strong, but, you know, Quillen hits hard. He's able to find the fight-ending strikes as well, um, and he is well-versed on the ground, and he's been training a long time. So this is a total pass fight for me. You know, if you're playing DraftKings, you know, I think that's the best way to target this fight, you know, and, and target it heavily because I do think there will be action here. And it's all about if and like in any Jason Witt fight, can he take any shots? If he does, he's going to score points. He's going to, you know, do well. Um, he's more he has a much more connected uh, game overall. But Josh Cohen's not a bad fighter, man. You know, the steroid stuff is weird, but, you know, I think he's pretty solid. I think he will win UFC fights. Maybe starting with this one, but I'm not paying to find out. We're going to keep it in the welterweight division next. Sato versus Battle here. The line for this one is Battle minus 290, Sato plus 245. A lot of action on Brian Battle here. Uh, you getting any interest in uh, Sato at the dog price, Ozzy? I will not. This is another guy. I'm not betting on Sato. I mean, you know, he, he, just, he, he just got no fire to me. Like, I don't like betting on guys that are like Sato. Like, I want a guy, like, I mean, it's cliche when people say it, like the fight for your money guy. Like, if you're content with taking an L like Sato is, and I'm not saying it's part of his culture, but maybe it is. Like, I don't, like I'm not interested, you know. But I do think Brian Battle, potentially with the junk volume that he's going to be throwing out, is going to be there to be hit uh, for Sato. But Sato just doesn't pull the trigger. He doesn't set up the left hand too much. You haven't seen him too much in later fights either. Um, Battle's going to be throwing kicks out there as well. It's not only going to be just hands and, you know, all that. So, you know, do I think that Brian Battle could potentially get hurt with a big punch by Sato? For sure, 100%. So I'm not as inclined and, you know, as excited as some people are to lay that juice on Battle. But I do think he's potentially an okay prospect, you know, a guy that could stick around the top 30 of the welterweight division. But, you know, I, I, I just don't like paying a, a big juice for a guy like this, you know, moving down a weight class um, with, with his style. You know, I was big on him against Gore, but I think this is a different fight here uh, against a guy who does have some UFC, ex UFC experience. So it's a pass fight for me. Maybe lean to the over because battle's not that potent of a finisher, and I don't think Sato's gonna, you know, be getting him out of there either. So that that would be my lean for if I had to play this fight, and I think I might play the over two and a half for the ghost distance. Yeah, not much interest in this one for me. I, I think battle should be pretty comfortable here. Sato, uh, like you said, just doesn't really do anything. That Gunnar Nelson fight, just a pathetic display there. Just no effort to win on his uh, behalf there. He just put forth no effort. I mean. Uh, embarrassing performance and i mean he has a nice straight left hand not much else he doesn't have anything else to his game so unless brian battle stays at complete distance with him and just gives him a kickboxing fight uh and lets him set up that straight left hand um i don't really see you know battle having too much difficulty here i think battle would be wise to get the fight in the clinch maybe mix up his grappling and grapple himself here because sato's takedown defense just isn't up to par uh, for the UFC. Uh, and uh, as our boy Narco Cop was saying, uh, how funny would it be if, if Gunnar Nelson had all that control time and wasn't able to submit him, and then Brian Battle is the guy to submit him? And I feel like that's just a, a total MMA thing that would happen. Um, so, you know, battles, Battle does kind of grapple offensively and go for subs, too. He subbed Petrosky, you know, Urbina he might have subbed, too. Uh, so, you know, Battle sub prop is probably the only interesting uh, prop there. Next fight is in the lightweight division. I'm fired up for this fight. Terrence McKinney versus Eric Gonzalez. McKinney is the minus 1,000 favorite. Eric Gonzalez is the plus 600 dog here. And, you know, I feel I have some firm convictions here. And from what we know about Terrence McKinney is that he has really embodied this, you know, 
kill or be killed uh, fight style in his recent fights. And he's just going for finishes in round one. He's coming out with those crazy high kicks and left hands. And the guy definitely has potent offense. I mean, I bet on Drew Dober in the last fight. And in the first, you know, 30 seconds of that fight, I'm thinking to myself, man, this McKinney's guy's power is just different. I mean, he hits people and they go down. But uh, if they survive past two or three minutes, the guy's going to gas out as he did versus Drew Dober. That style is not sustainable. So if he keeps going at guys and going for the kill in round one, sure, he might, you know, find that knockout and, and finish him in round one. But if the fight goes past just two or three minutes, his win equity is just going to drop off a ton. So when you have a fighter that volatile and a guy who's that aggressive in round one with these finishes, how can he be a minus 1,000 favorite? How can his chances of winning be over 90%? Uh, I mean, I really just don't think that that's right for McKinney at all. And Gonzalez is not a good fighter at all. I mean, I think this guy is, is uh, very there to be knocked out. But I think that he's also probably going to just bite down on that mouthpiece and throw leather with McKinney in there. And we're talking about two low-level fighters just exchanging strikes with one another. I don't think McKinney is particularly durable. So I like a shot on the dog here, plus 600 for Eric Gonzalez. That's good for a half unit for me. I mean, these MMA fights at minus 1,000, you just rarely or almost never see the fighter cover that price tag. So I'm definitely down to take a stab on the Mexican Gonzalez here. I think he's fighting for my money, and I think they're just going to trade in the center. Uh, you know, how wrong can I really be uh, at plus 600? Yeah, I mean, I agree here. Like, I'm going to take Eric Gonzalez as well. I was, like, much more hesitant to do it. But, I mean, fuck it. At the end of the day, if you look, has he ever been knocked out? No. I mean, other than the Jim Miller fight, he hasn't been knocked out other than that fight. <laughs> but, I mean, Jim Miller, you know, a certified savage, they were banging in that fight, like banging, banging hard. And Jim Miller obviously can maintain, you know, uh, throwing fight-ending shots, you know, a lot longer than uh, than, than Terrence can, has that grappling, um, you know, threat uh, as well to him. And, I mean, I know some people that thought that Eric Gonzalez was super live there and could come back as well as that fight was playing out. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is a fight where, you know, I don't know, like you would think that you might want to play the over just because that, that price is crazy, but I'm not going to do it. Like if I'm going to invest in this fight, it's going to be a small, tiny bet on this 600 or, or, or high. I mean, I'm waiting. Like there's no, re there's no reason that I'm not going to wait on this because, you know, if I, if I'm going to bet at 600, this is one of those fights that like those chimps would be like, oh, you better at 600, but you wouldn't better at 550, right? Ha ha ha. <laughs> no, I'd better at 550. I'd better at 550, but I'm, I'm not going to, you know, just pigeonhole myself right the best now. Price. Um, yeah. So I'm, I, 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 there's been one way traffic that, you know, the chimp, you know, the chimp monkeys are going to keep, you know, uh, parlaying Terrence McKinney, you know, he just got to 1100 on FanDuel. So, you know, there, someone's parlaying them. So let's take a little, a little dog shot here. Um, I mean, McKinney literally has a TKO loss via injury. So, I mean, he even has that playing against him. So let's take, uh, let's take Gonzalez tiny, tiny play. And Gonzalez KO is 14 to one. Like that, that's nuts to me. And then, uh, here's, uh, maybe McKinney switches up the style. He comes out offensively grappling. I mean, in that case, the overs, I think would be really good value. Uh, I don't think he's some world beater on the ground who's just going to instantly submit Gonzalez. And, um, you know, I'm sure our boy combat will be interested in that plus 470 GGD here. Um, just crazy prices overall for a lightweight fight.
And I wish it, I wish McKinney by submission was better. I would play that if that was, you know, in the, <laughs> the odds are better. but 140, oh yeah, 140. Just I can't incredible odds. Like, no and then, uh, last thing I'll say is, you know, Gonzalez has been, he got signed, you know, 10 months ago. He lost, um, you know, don't don't think that he can't make some improvements in that time. I mean, he's been training uh, probably more seriously ever in his, the past nine months than he has throughout his career. And we see guys get to the UFC and make improvements all the time. So, I mean, I just think this price is crazy. And, uh, you know, we'll stick with a, a fight with the big, some big odds in the next fight uh, up to the middleweight division. McCall, Chechuk, Sam Alvey still fighting in the UFC. Uh, McCall minus 700, Sam Alvey plus 450. Now, Ozzy, you, are you crazy enough to think there's any value on Sam Alvey here? Smiling Sam, I mean, th the only things playing in, in Sam's uh, favor is the fact that Mikal's going down to his weight class. And, I mean, the guy, he never had good cardio in a third round either. Like, you know, he, he couldn't, he, he, he couldn't um, you know, push the pace in round threes even at 205. So, at one you know, 185, I doubt he's going to be able to. So, I mean, I think these guys are going to bang. I like the under here, even at one and a half. You know, I kind of like it, you know, at, at that plus money. Mm. Um, I probably I probably won't play it, though, just because, like, I'm, I'm not playing these two fights back-to-back. -back. Like, I can't do it. But I do feel that Mikal, if he does, if his weight cut goes well at all, I think he's going to be quick enough. And he's he just so accurate. Like, Sam Alvey, what he does is he kind of like throws punches and like knows that you're going to be in that space and, you know, he ends up landing. Uh, but Mikal, he's actually like pinpointing some of these strikes and he, he you know, he's thrown to the body and, and, and coming it up to the head. And I think he's a knockout Sam Alvey, in my opinion. So I actually think his knockout prop is not that bad because he's not going three with Sam Alvey. Like I'm pretty confident. He's going to hunt this dude down at some point, or he's going to get knocked out himself. Um, but he's not going to just stand there, stand by, and uh, and win like a point fighty uh, three-round decision. And Sam Alvey, the, the chin is going. Like the durability is is going. He's still sparring hard as well. So like it, this, I think he's getting knocked out by Mikal. But, you know, I, I'm probably going to pass on the fight. Me that. too. No, I, I'll probably take some of that McCall minus 105 KO. And uh, the, the body shots too. I mean, McCall has got good body shots. Sam Alvey can still take a punch. But when you mix in those body shots, the speed advantage, uh, a fellow southpaw, I feel like Sam's going to be in for, for a world of hurting here. So, uh, you know, square play of the week, McCall KO. I think it's cashing. Uh, best odds available on FanDuel. I'll probably end up on that. Next fight is a uh, Brazilian woman fight in the flyweight division. Ariane Lipsky minus 175. Priscilla Cachoeira plus 150. Right off the bat, I think these women are just two different uh, types of Brazilians. I mean, I, I think there's just... They're just cut from a different cloth. I mean, I don't really know much about uh, the the geography, the regions of Brazil, but I would imagine that Lipsky is from like the rich, uh, you know, preppy part, while Cachoeira is from like the favelas, the trenches, and uh, you know, Cachoeira just had to fight harder for everything in her life, and um, this is an amazing matchup, quite honestly. Um, the uh, the first fight on the main card, great placement by the UFC. And, I mean, Cachoeira is a fucking dog. I mean, she was losing that fight to Jian Kim, and she just said, I'm going to come forward and throw 25 elbows straight. And about 21 of those elbows landed, and she stole the fight away from Jian Kim there. And, 
I mean, she's just a dog. I mean, she gets taken down, she gets hit, but she's also hard to continually outstrike. She's hard to keep down on the mat. And I don't know, man, I think this is going to be a pretty tough fight for Lipsky. And I, I definitely wouldn't be eager to lay chalk. I mean, I, laying chalk on this fight is uh, is out of the question to me. And I think that, uh, I mean, Cachoeira stays underrated. I mean, she overperforms nonstop and... I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not going to be betting this fight at all. I see no value on anything across the board. Uh, but I, I think I would much rather have my money on Cachoeira at plus here than I would uh, Lipsky at juice. Um, what are you thinking here? Well, uh, Lipsky looked great in her last fight, as I as I astutely predicted. You know, she was in a body bag, Mandy Bomb, and she almost did. Um, and I think she's going to land a lot of punches on, on Priscilla Cachoeira as well. I mean, Cachoeira is the most durable woman, most savage woman in MMA. Um, you know, she does not, I mean, she's just not good overall, but she's got good cardio. She knows how she needs to win, you know, fights overall. Um, and I think that she could probably survive these shots from Ariana, Ariane Lipsky. And my best bet of the whole card, of everything, GTD. I think. Yes, exactly. This fight is going the distance, it is. You're and the right. fact that they, dude, the fact that they give you 160, 154 on Fanduel is ridiculous. It's preposterous. It is the fact that it's 215, 180, 200 uh, over two and a half. That's my best bet of this fight of this fight card. Um, that's what I'm rolling with. Um, if Priscilla Cachoeira gets fucking body bagged and you know is looking up at the lights by Lipsky, no, dude, no shot. Cool. I don't think this is very possible. Like, I give it very little chance. But, you know, congrats to Lipsky for, you know, decapitating Priscilla Cachuera, doing something that did even – when did uh, Valentina finish? It was – I think it was a doctor stoppage after round two. I don't even think the ref was after, – After round two. Yeah, the ref didn't even stop. Okay. Oh, no, no. It was it was, it was was a rear naked choke nine minutes and 25 seconds in. Okay. But I just think that, you know, Priscilla is going to be able to put out enough offense that does not allow Lipsky to just get in her zone like she did against Bomb. And and then as well, Lipsky is technical enough to keep uh, Priscilla off of her. So over two and a half, over, you know, goes the distance, best bet. And I'll pick Lipsky to win, but there's no way you could lay that juice. Like, I, I mean, you could because she's just so much technically better and she should be able to keep her feet moving. But you never know with Priscilla Cachoeira. I do not like betting against that woman. Like, she fucked me hard against Kim, dude. That was... Lesson learned, a, yeah. Fat, fat parlay there, but... I think I think Lipsky will win. The second I said I I see no bets with value, I passed it over to you. I looked at that goes the distance. I said, what? Minus 154? <laughs> I mean, the yeah, only way Cachoeira gets finished is by, by subs, typically. And, I, I mean, I don't think that Lipsky has the jiu-jitsu to really sub her. Um... So I like that too. Uh, I'm sold. I'll be I'll be tailing that best bet of the week. Next fight, heavyweight Hell division: yeah. Sakai Spivak. Um, Spivak minus three hundred. Sakai plus two fifty. Your turn to start this one off. Well, we got the B minus striker versus uh, Augusto Sakai, who's you know making the comeback after that. Uh, I mean, it's crazy that uh, um, Taito Ivasa went from fighting Sakai a year ago to main eventing in Paris, like breaking open. You know, breaking the cherry in Paris against Gone, insane. No, that was a little. That was like early, late 2019, I think. But yeah, still, still a crazy trend. Was it? I thought that was his last. No, no, that was Greg. That was Greg Hardy, bro. Oh, you're wrong, dude. They fought Sakai and 
Tuivasa fought. Oh, I'm sorry. Last I thought you meant I thought you meant Spivak uh, beating. Oh, I'm no. sorry. Go ahead. Oh no 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 worries. But yeah, crazy come up ten months, nine months in in between for T- Tuivasa. But yeah, I mean, I've never liked uh, Augusta Sakai. I mean. You know, he he just like plotting, like, you know, his striking like is solid enough, but like he, he's not coming at you with too much volume overall. Um, you know, I think you need to be there to be hit. And Spivak, he does, I mean, this guy sucks. Like, don't let Martian convince you otwise when he he takes shit over. But I mean, he he's active enough. He goes into the clinch, you know, he works trips in there. But if he gets caught at range, if he gets tired moving Sakai's fat ass around, you know, he can easily lose this fight. So, I mean, I think paying 270 for this guy is insane. It's crazy. Like, there's no way, like, this would be, even, like, at any time, there would be no way that uh this would be the line. Like, Sakai was a favorite over freaking Ivanov, dude. And now he's fighting Spivak. And I'm given Spivak, yeah, he does have some solid wrestling. All right? He does wrist ride. You know, he he's tangling up the legs. But I, I don't got a big take on this site other than, I'd probably take Sakai if it went up a little bit more. You know, we're at two fi- oh, we're at two fifty now. Like, I, it's getting close that you gotta. I would have to play Spivak a little bit, but yeah, I'm you mean Sakai? Uh, yeah, excuse me, Sakai. Yeah, uh, it's getting kind of close because Spivak is just a bad striker. Um, over one and a half is interesting as well. Now. I am a big fan of Spivak, and I don't like to kick a man while he's down, but Ozzy did bet on Greg Hardy in that last fight. And, I think uh, I did. I, he, I had a great angle on the fight. Fight doesn't start round three. Cash with ease, plenty of time left on the clock. Um, and, you know, Spivak just showed that he knows how to fight optimally. Like, the guy uh, isn't a, a dummy, you know. He, he, he knows how to get the fight in the area where the fight um, – is at his biggest strength. I mean, he did that versus Vandera when the fight was close versus Philippe in the third round, he went to his grappling. I mean, the guy actually, I think is a, a semi-intelligent fighter and, you know, he's a B minus striker. We all know that he's uh, I'd say a better than that. A grappler B plus grappler. You saw that sick, uh, that sick judo throw he hit on Greg Hardy, bro. Forget about huge, it. Like huge, huge delta there between his uh, striking and his grappling. Plus the B minus, huge, huge difference. Yeah, that's just how good of a striker he is, honestly. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean Sakai is is terrible at everything, man. This guy seems kind of mentally checked out as well. I mean, I guess the Ivanov fight uh wasn't wasn't. Wait, no. Oh, that was way long ago. I was thinking of Blagoy Ivanov's most recent fight. Who the hell? Oh, that was against Delima. I'm mixing these guys up, but um. Yeah, I mean, Sakai just seems uh, a little bit mentally checked out to me. I don't think the guy really, um, I don't think he's he's fighting to to be in the top 15, top 10 anymore. He's kind of just, you know, phoning it at this point. And I think Spivak, you know, uh, just has a lot more ways to win. Minus 300, I do agree, is a bit crazy. I, I see no way to lay the juice on Spivak at that price. I mean, maybe uh, maybe this fight going long, I think uh, maybe over two and a half for the GTD here. I think maybe we could see uh, Spivak um, maybe just lay on top. But I mean, you know, he does throw a good amount of ground and pound. So even that, I think it is no good. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't see any value on the board right now uh, from any props. So, you know, not much to really add here from a betting perspective. 
it's time to move on to the tough championship fights. And these are some dog shit fights, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if any of you watched the tough season. Ozzy and I certainly didn't watch a single fucking second of it until we watched uh, these fights just to refresh our, our memory on these fighters. But they all suck. All four of them suck. And, you know, tread lightly betting these fights. Um because they're they're bottom of the barrel level. Juliana Miller taking on Brogan Walker in the flyweight division. They have Miller as the favorite, minus 130, Walker plus 110. Um, so what I see from Miller is a woman who is trying to, to grapple. She's got some pretty weak takedowns. She doesn't seem very physically strong. Uh, and she's kind of a weasel on the ground, though. She she gets these, these sloppy takedowns, then she gets a good position. She'll be stalling out against the cage for multiple minutes, and then she'll finally get some good position, like a back take or something. But her striking seems pretty weak. Um, and she, like I mentioned as well, she just seems weak. She doesn't seem like a strong fighter. Brogan Walker definitely seems like the stronger, uh, meaner of the two women. But all of Brogan Walker's fights, I'm watching all of her opponents try to grapple her, and she gets backed up to the cage. She spends multiple minutes with her back to the cage. She defends takedowns. She doesn't get put on her back, but she just spends so much time with her back to the cage. Um, so I, I gave Walker the striking advantage here. I think she's a just the, the stronger physical woman as well, but I think Miller probably has that grinding grappling to push her against the cage to to grind out some positions get some uh you know some clinch time and just make this a really grinding boring fight i'm predicting a 15 minute uh push against the cage trading positions against the cage i think it's going to be a terrible fight what's and that GTD? these women are going to have long-term success it's minus 325 oh god we can't do it over 75 percent can't do it um so uh pa pass all around here man okay. this is this is this is bad oh it'll be miller decision you got miller decision okay so i mean i literally watched these women's fights today and i was watching brogdon walker and i was like man like they're people actually like are confident that like this woman's good like the fight that she had against the mexican chick i think to get to the final um it was just a ridiculous fight like the girl's like five foot one and brogdon walker is like She's like kind of just playing hopscotch, like thinking that the girl's like gonna hurt her. And Juliana Miller, like I knew her, I bet on her in that first Claire Guthrie fight, which she lost. You know, I thought it was a bullshit decision. But I mean, the girl just goes to like these Kimuras, and I feel like it's just a very easy woman to game plan against. Like to be losing to her, like Claire Guthrie, like I thought it was an embarrassing performance, given that you already know what she's gonna do very, very clearly. But she is definitely a weasel. You know, for sure. But I'm shocked at how little she's developed since that first fight. And then the issue, again, with uh, Walker is that they said that she had, like, a torn MCL. The tough fights, to my surprise, were not that... I don't know how long ago they were, though. So, you know, I'm actually now kind of thinking more that Brogdon Walker is going to be able to not go to the ground. Or at least, like, not get caught in some... Like, the main thing that... Uh, Juliana Miller does some on bottom. She goes to these Kimuras where she's able to reverse position and get on top. And I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know if she's an, and like if she she does not have any guard passes. Like, she just looks to get dominant positions creatively. Um, and I just I don't like like ah man, I don't like her. I I, I just like I don't like her game overall for like UFC fights. So I think I'm actually leaning towards the Walker side now. It's a plus. It's at the plus money as well. Maybe Walker by decision. Uh, let's see. That is um, plus one fifty. Plus one forty. get one. You get one fifty five. Oh no! Excuse me. I looked at the wrong one. Uh, I get yeah. Plus one forty is best price you could get. So I think that's not bad. 
Because I don't think she's in a finish, Juliana. No, nah, you got to take money line at that point, I think. Maybe, I, I guess. But I just think she's in a... Yeah, if it's like plus 110, yeah. I, I just think she's going to probably win a decision here. But I wouldn't be surprised that anything happened in here. But yeah, I'll pick Walker to, to, to win the fight. Yeah, I think like Walker's definitely going to land like the more strikes. But I, I still feel like she, she might lose this. I mean... Maybe, yeah. You know, ter- just terrible fight. Moving on, heavyweight division finals. Zach Pauga taking on uh, Muhammad Usman, uh, the brother of Kamaru. Uh, just a a mirror image of his brother. I mean, just a generational talent uh, in the Ooh. making. What are you thinking here, Ozzy? Yeah, so I was looking at this more, and people were telling me Zach Pauga's good and all this stuff. And I'm looking at interviews. Like, I know that these guys were both coming from the same team, which was definitely uh, definitely interesting to me because I knew that, uh, obviously, they must have trained together. And I think they were on the same team as well on the uh, on the tough finale. Now, I don't know Zach Pauga's background in terms of, like, when he got into MMA, but he's 34 years old, right? I think his first uh, MMA, he had a bunch of amateur fights, but they were all in the last three years. But I, he just comes off to me as, like, a hardo in the gym. You know, he he's trying his hardest. Like, he's looking to win all the rounds. Like, he's talking shit that, you know, Usman, how he knows he's better than him, how you beat him up in training for like the last two years, all this stuff. Whereas Usman, I mean, I'll be, I'll be, you know, he is Uzman, uh, Kamaru's uh, younger, older brother. I don't know what it is. But like, I, I do think he has put himself in like uncomfortable positions in terms of like, you know, trying to develop to be this level MMA fighter. And I just think that it could play out a lot different than people. I think a lot of these, this price moving in this direction is like from people, you know, let's say, uh, you know, elevation saying, yeah, you know, Zach would get the better at him, you know, when they would train or, you know, uh, house and all, all, all those kinds of things. So I'm, a, I'm taking a shot on Usman. I think, I don't think Paug is that good. I think he's kind of a little bit, he's a little faster than Usman for sure. He's a little bit more, um, he moves a little bit better. He flows a little bit better. But the guy's not that good himself. He does not have great pace. He does not throw that many shots. He does not take advantage of his cardio advantage. I don't think that much as either. Um, I think Usman's going to, you know, be able to land some shots on him. And I just feel this is uh, closer than a plus 200, 200 fight. So I get a plus 232 on Usman. Um, I think I'm going to take it. I think the over-under, you know, it being two and a half, you know, slightly juiced over. I'm not sure if that is right. But only thing that I want to invest in is I'll take some Usman, you know, in the plus 200 range. I think that he could definitely get this done, potentially hurt uh, Pauga with a, with a punch here. Um, and, you know, him by KO is like a plus 600 as well. I just think Pauga is going to get landed on. Like, I don't think this guy's striking is very good. And I think he's uh, he's going to be there to be hit. Yeah, I'm in agreement with pretty much everything said there. Uh, I'll be taking a shot on Usman here as well. Uh, I see these guys as actually pretty similar. Um, they're both just low-volume strikers, maybe medium-volume strikers. They don't really offensively wrestle much. They don't really sit down on their shots uh, much. They don't. They have some knockouts on their record, but I truthfully believe they're more of like a, a point-fighting style and not really throwing 100% into all their shots. So, and you, you see that reflected in the over, I mean, uh, it just got bet a little bit more, I think, uh, in the past, you know, a few minutes. Um, but it's like, these guys are heavyweights and the over two and a half is, you know, minus minus one twenty five. So, uh, it's clear that, that the market realizes these guys aren't much finishers. Um, and I, I agree with that assessment. I, I think, uh, 
it's just going to be a competitive striking fight. I see Usman, you know, slipping punches a little bit. Uh, I think his, his offensive boxing technique isn't bad. Same with Pauga. I mean, he he throws decent offense, but I just think that it's going to be a competitive, you know, uh, medium tempo striking fight. And I think the fact that one guy is uh, almost at 75% is a little nuts. And, you know, you're seeing really no name value for Usman uh, being the brother uh, of, uh, of Camaro. We see, you know, Khabib's fighters be huge favorites all the time getting rubbed from that name, but no, no market love for, for the Usman name here. Um, so I think yeah, Usman is probably worth a small bet. Don't go anything crazy, probably a unit at, at max, maybe a little bit more, but I think uh, you can't be too wrong in a spot like this. Uh, with this price also the much more natural heavyweight right Pauga has fought at light heavyweight throughout most of his career Usman uh, you know is rumored to be 250 260 so I think Usman might have a 20 maybe even 30 pound weight advantage here uh, come uh, come fight night definitely be interested to see the weigh-ins there uh, time for the co-main event best fight on the card by a gigantic margin welterweight division Vincente Luque taking on Jeff Neal uh, the line for this one, Luke A minus 197, Jeff Neal plus 172. So we got um, uh, Luke, Luke A trains at, at Sanford, right? Right, Ozzy? Yeah, yeah right. but I think most of his training camps have become, been in Brazil lately. Really? Recently? I was going to say it would be a cool Sanford versus uh, Fortis matchup going on here. Um, but, um, I mean, Vincente Luque is an amazing action fighter, right? The guy has had some incredible fights in his career, but he's known for, you know, just embracing firefights and just trading in the pocket, not really being too smart defensively. And, uh, he just doesn't really do much to minimize exchanges. He doesn't have the greatest defense. And this guy is just always in close, uh, striking fights. I mean, even against guys, Brian Barbarina took him to really deep waters, um, and he looked kind of flat against Bilal Muhammad in his last fight. You know, Bilal put on an incredible performance, just a, a, a workman's performance in that fight, mixing up the striking, the wrestling, the cardio of Bilal. It was just an amazing game plan from him. So maybe that's why Luque looked so bad in that fight. But, man, I just think that Luque kind of really lost steam in that fight and didn't have much fight in him as the fight went on. I know he won round three after losing the first two rounds, but... um. Yeah, just not a great performance from Luke there. Maybe he'll be, uh, you know, uh, tr trying to be uh, reinvigorated after that loss, trying to get this win here. But uh, Jeff Neal is looking good to me lately, man. I mean, he he won that fight against Ponzinibbio. I think it was a split decision somehow, but uh, I thought he I thought he won that fight rather clearly. And I think Jeff is just still a fighter that really might might not have even hit his peak yet. Uh, he had some losses where he didn't look so good in the, the Wonder Boy fight, the Magni fight. But uh, I think he's still capable of rebounding his career. He might have not even peaked yet. And I think this this is a spot where I think it's going to be an easy Jeff Neal bet. I think it's in, out of the question to lay nearly minus 200 on Luke when he's known. He's known for making these striking fights so close. And, uh, you know, this is going to be an amazing matchup. Uh, an evenly match matchup and the odds with this one aren't really making much sense to me and people just keep on betting luke so if you're interested in neil like i am just uh you know sit on your hands wait for this one to keep going up because even today the line has gone up a good amount uh so uh i like neil here yeah i definitely prefer the jeff neil side i'm definitely gonna be on him you know uh probably gonna be one of my to, uh, in the top two, my bigger money line bets overall, you know, I just think that, yeah, I mean, Luke, one, he, he's very hittable. Like, you know, he, he admitted and uh, Gilbert Burns also said that the reason or like one of the main 
you know, things that Bilal did was, uh, you know, the uh, switching to southpaw stance, throwing that left body kick. And they said that, oh, yeah, like it th- totally threw Vincente off, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, uh, obviously, uh, Neil's a, a southpaw. He's got one of the best left hands in the game. Um, he himself is very as just as durable, if not more, than uh, than Luque is, and uh, and, and he his defense himself is pretty good. Like he's always got his hands up. He's pretty good at hand fighting. You know, stopping jabs as they come in. You know, if you look at that Ponzinibbio fight, Ponzinibbio barely landed on him. He actually landed at a less than a thirty percent clip. If you if you uh, are just considering head strikes, um, and you know he landed a few leg kicks there for sure. I think that's going to be a big factor in the fight. Can Vincente curtail, you know, uh, Neil into his power and back him up, you know, both throw into the inside and outside, uh, outside leg. But I think the main thing is that uh, Vincente's main defense is he just shells up. You know, it's it's easy for Jeff Neal to throw shots, you know, um, pivot off, you know, pivot around, you know, find body strikes, you know, if he wants them, find find kicks, head kicks, body kicks, you know, if he wants them from there. And I think he's gonna make his uh his hands uh count when he when he uh does land on him. You know, I I don't think I've ever seen even Stephen Thompson. Like I haven't really seen too many people for a whole fight feel very comfortable on the feet against Jeff Neal because this guy just moves differently from that left-handed stance. The shots that that he picks to throw out are um are interesting, are different. Um, and when he connects, like it's not the same as you know taking punches from a lot of these other guys, right? Um, so I just think that overall Vicente, yeah, he could definitely win this fight, but I just think this is a square bet. It's a very casual bet. Like I, I, I sometimes say, um, you know, just the fact that this guy, he's been, you know, in the, his career, uh, you know, in the UFC for quite a, quite a long time. And he has not really always paved, uh, or, or paid off, um, these favorite prices that easily. Yeah. He gets a lot of finishes, but look at his decision record. It's terrible. Awful. He's like two and eight or two and six in decisions. Not good. He's uh he tires out as the fight goes on. And Jeff Neal, he is much more efficient as well with his uh with his attacks. So I'll take Jeff Neal here. You know, we're getting back to that plus one seventy number, which which I really wanted and really like. And uh and yeah, I think that's a, a good money line side uh for this fight. Jeff Neal, last man to beat Bilal Muhammad, right? Obviously there was that little uh that that weird fight with uh with Leon Edwards, but am I mistaken? I mean Jeff Neal, you know, kind of put on a clinic in that fight. <laughs> Jeff Neal is a very good fighter. He's very good at fighting. He is, um, and uh, we he came through for us last fight. I like him again here. Um, and it's time for the main event. Uh, we got Jamal Hill, Tiago Santos, light heavyweight division. Um, pretty sad main event if we're being honest here, but. Jamal Hill is the minus 330 favorite. Tiago Santos plus 270. Jamal Hill getting a lot of action. People are parlaying them. They're they're betting them straight. I mean, just steady action on Jamal Hill. Bit surprised if you ask me, but uh, your turn to start this one off here, Ozzy. Yeah, Jamal Hill has never been a guy that I trusted in this, you know, his his uh rise up here. His striking defense is not the best. I feel I feel he encourages strikes on his chin, and he just has not met guys that are look at the guys that he's fought, man. He fought Clitson Abreu, right? Not a striker. OSP, right? OSP's kind of a little wash. Was I think he might have uh, missed weight for that fight as well. Paul Craig, you know, crew. Like, it just goes without saying. The guy has not fought, you know, many guys that have big power, have confidence in that power, um, and have been in there in, in, in big, uh, wild striking fights. And everything that I just said, you know, would describe Tiago Santos to a T. Other than he's, it's been kind of, 
uh, kept under wraps uh, for the most part, especially lately, right? He's, he went five rounds in his last two fights, um, probably two undeserved made events, yet another one on deck here. But, I mean, there's no way I trust Jamal Hill. Like, I don't think that he's going to come out there and, and, and be able to overwhelm Tiago Santos. Like, yes, could he land a bunch of strikes and just – you know, uh, you know, find a chin eventually. I, I do think that uh, that is live to happen. But the thing is, like, if Tiago Santos does bite down and is, you know, adamant in not giving up ground and, you know, throwing back with him, like, I just haven't seen Jamal Hill take a punch, defend a punch, you know, take a body kick. That body's looking soft. Like, I'm not no one to be talking about guys' physiques, um, you know, as they go in there because obviously, they're you know, they're preparing for these fights. You know, there's no way that Jamal Hill's not training for him. But you've never seen He's got to take a body kick from Tiago Santos. Like, that shit is a crazy weapon, you know, for Santos to be throwing out there. Um, so, I mean, if you're parlaying Jamal Hill, you know, Mazel Tov. Like, you know, uh, I wish you luck. I'm not going to be taking the dog shot on Tiago Santos here unless we're getting into the 300 range. Um, I, I don't know if that's a hot take. I'll, I'll let the, the, the monkeys that uh, listen to the podcast uh, let me know if it's crazy to not bet him at 270 but take him at, like, 310. But, yeah, it's going to be a pass fight for me. I do think that these guys will bang it out a little bit eventually. Like, I do think Jamal Hill will come after Santos, and Santos has some pride. He's not going to be looking to, you know, get put out quickly. But, uh, but yeah, I just think that uh, Hill's power is overrated, and I think he's going to be in that kitchen for potentially Santos to land something big. Yeah, I agree with uh, that, but I, I would say uh... – I feel like Santos is already kind of, uh, you know, worthy of a, of a bet here. I mean, uh, they're just pricing Jamal Hill like he's just su- like a proven elite striker. But, I mean, the guy's promising he's a good striker, got nice punches, uh, pretty good kicks as well. But, I mean, this is Thiago Santos, probably the toughest striker he's ever fought. Right? Up, I mean, yeah, better striker than OSP. And, I mean, he is destroying guys like um, Jimmy Crute and Johnny Walker in round one. And the market is just super high on Jamal Hill right now. They see that Thiago Santos hasn't won a fight in a while. It's kind of showing signs of just, you know, very lackadaisical uh, fighting style lately. Hasn't really been pushing the pace. He's been losing fights left and right. And when he's losing, he doesn't really seem to do anything to prevent himself from continuing to lose. He's just content to fight at the same pace. and. You know, that that knee surgery uh, really did a lot to him. The the John Jones fight that obviously hurt his knees. Uh, You just see him right after that fight. uh, He had that long layoff to fix the, the surgeries. And then has been a different fighter since then. Lost a lot of his his speed, his aggression, his tenacity. Maybe he'll know this fight. His back's against the wall. That he's lost uh, four of his last five, and he needs to make something happen. Um, hopefully, he can show a little more aggression than he's been showing lately. But the guy did, you know, briefly hurt uh, Ankalaev, and he did, you know, last a full five rounds against Ankalaev, which I think is a pretty difficult thing to do. Um, and I definitely don't think it would be an easy task for Jamal Hill to do. So I'm just thinking the market is getting too high on Hill here. Santos is going to be, you know, a value play. Uh, definitely hard to have confidence in, in Santos to actually win the fight with how he's been looking lately. But Jamal Hill being over 75% to his toughest striking matchup to date just seems uh, like it's way off to me. So also the fight just going the distance uh seems off at plus 300 i mean if this is like a tepid striking decision like santos's past few have been i would not be surprised at all um so i think that these prices are a little crazy here they're they're way overrating 
I mean, Hill KO minus 165. That's nuts. I mean, Magomed Ankalaev just went five rounds with him and wasn't able to, to finish him. Now, obviously, uh, Hill and Ankalaev have a different striking style, but how can you think the Hill's KO chances are over 60% here? That's that's an insane line. Uh, so, I mean, with that rate, the Hill decision probably has value. Hill decision at 6-1 to one on FanDuel is good to me. Uh, the fight just going the distance overall at uh, nearly uh, three to one is good. Um, so a lot of bets I think are off in this main event. Um, I'm just kind of fading that hill KO, and um, you know that, that's really my thoughts on the car. We I, we we stuck to our promise. We came in under an hour, um, you know, well under an hour. Got a uh, you know eight eight to eight to ten minutes to spare here, and uh, that'll leave us some time for our best bet parlay of the week uh ozzy already mentioned his you want to go ahead and mention it one more time oh yeah so we're going goes the distance in Cachuera versus lipsky these women are going to bang it out for the pride of brazil for uh for jesus for acai they're going to give us a 15 minute affair um for us to you know get settled into that main card um and get ready for uh for those tough fights uh no pun intended uh to to to, to come about uh later on so 160 154 anything under like 175 i think very very good i don't know if that's a hot take these monkeys that you know listen to the podcast you guys decide you know at what point you stop paying juice um but yeah you know i think that's a good bet so we're rolling with that. damn you really let that one comment get under your skin didn't you it's just it's just such a stupid thing to say like oh you would have bet something at 150 oh you bet something at 150 but not 182 it's like like some people don't understand how odds work. You got to give them a little bit of the, the benefit of the doubt. Well, to, to go, I, I love that bet as well. I'll be betting that straight up, Ozzy. Uh, good find there. I'll be uh, picking a, a nice square bet myself. Uh, uh, McCall KO minus 105. Um, so you probably have the two of them on FanDuel right now. Minus 154, minus 105 comes out to plus 222. That's an angel number right there, 222. There's definitely got to be some good luck associated with that. And uh, that'll do it. Uh, that'll do a really weak card this week. Like Ozzy was saying, good week to go out and do something else. Enjoy the summer while you can. Um, and uh, that'll that'll do it. Any closing thoughts here, Ozzy? No, nothing at all. Just I'm touching grass on Saturday. Not watching this card. That's good advice. Well, uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll track some more bets. Make sure you keep that posted on my bet MMA. Um, and uh, that'll do it this week. Thank you for, to everyone for listening. Make sure you're subscribing on YouTube, following us all on Twitter, uh, checking out our track bets, and uh, join the Spaces too. We'll be I'll, I'll be live on Spaces this week, um, talking with Narco Cop. We're always giving out live bets. Last week was a really good week for live bets on the Spaces. So make sure you're joining those live Spaces. And uh, thank you all for listening. We'll see you all next week. Peace out, everybody. Thank you.